Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey everybody, you know what time it is. This is Sunday night, 8 p.m. It's time for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast with your host, yours truly, Dr. Delvina Thomas, a psychiatrist here in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Thank you so much for joining me again for another episode. Whether you listen tonight, which is Sunday night, or if you listen on another night, I appreciate your ear. Thank you so much for coming back and listening to these gems that I drop on a weekly basis. I feel like everyone gets something out of these episodes. And the guests that I have on, they're authentic, they're um, transparent, and they love sharing their life. They love sharing their passion. They love sharing whatever it is they're sharing for that night when they take the couch. Listen, you just heard an episode last Sunday, and some of you may not have listened yet. I think you should listen. It's part one of the divorce talk that my cousin, Dr. K. Thomas, and I Um, have been having part one was my interview of her she took the couch to talk about her experience and part two which will be sometime later this month will be me taking the couch so that she can ask me questions regarding my experience with the divorce and my relationship and so you know May is mental health awareness month if you've been following me on Instagram on Facebook on social media whatever it is you know that I always I talk about mental health awareness anyhow but May I really go hard I've been on tours around the country previously talking about mental health and wellness um especially during the month of July which July is minority mental health awareness month so This month, the month of May, although my show is a mental health and wellness podcast, the month of May, um, we're going in deeper to talk about mental health, mental illness, mental health challenges. I want to start the month off today, Sunday, May 2nd, with an interview. I was a guest on the Karen Hunter show, which is on Sirius XM, and I was interviewed by Ada Rodriguez. Ada Rodriguez is a comedian. She is so freaking funny, and she she's also just another genuine, authentic type person who was also a brain love advocate. She, too, um, is in love with the brain and mental health and wellness. This is the second interview I've done with uh, Miss Rodriguez. The first one was on her show called Truth Serum, and now this one is from Sirius XM, the Karen Hunter Show. I hope you guys enjoy it. While we were having, uh, we are talking about, the you know what the things that we were talking about today i thought that it was important to have someone come on and have a conversation with us about how to take care of ourselves in that way and as someone who is a part of our community a black woman who has dedicated herself to you know not just uh mental health but also science someone who has served in our military and who's a physician who advocates for the healthy living to strengthen individuals families and communities. So please welcome Dr. Delvina Thomas to the show. Hey, Mike, Hi. thanks for having me. Man. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm glad you're here. Um, I had such a great conversation with you on Truth Serum that when I um, when, was called to cover for Karen Hunter on the show, I thought that it was important that people knew your voice and knew what you did because it is so important. So 
first and foremost, I just want pe- I want you in your own words. I love when people use their words to tell us who they are, because um, it's one of the things that I'm learning as I am um, getting some help and how to how to speak of myself in a way that is dignified and, um, and, and, and informed. So can you please tell the audience of the Karen Hunter show who you are and where you're from and what you do? Hello, everyone listening on the Karen Hunter show. This is Dr. Delvina Thomas, the brain love psychiatrist. Um, first and foremost, I'm a mother. I have a 25 year old black male here in America. And as we've seen with uh, individuals such as Dante Wright and George Floyd, there is a, another pandemic in America besides the medical pandemic we've been dealing with. We've been dealing with um, the racism and the murders of black men and women, women as well in America. And, um, and so being a, a mother of a black male, I feel that has been my most important and my most challenging job because of trying to teach my son mental wellness and also teaching him strategies and how to survive in America and feel welcomed in a country that's supposed to welcome everyone and that's supposed to be the melting pot. Um, My other identification is I am a Lieutenant Colonel in the Army Reserve. Um, I am a combat veteran. I've been to Iraq, to Afghanistan, and also served time in Kuwait. And I'm also the owner of DRT Behavioral Services. It's a mental health practice where I and 16, 17 other individuals provide mental health care in the community. It ranges from medication management and psychotherapy for individuals and couples and families and groups to also things like utilizing CBD and medicinal cannabis to help um, and to provide an alternative means for treatment. In addition to that, we do weight loss counseling. We do, uh, we encourage yoga. We encourage other alternative interventions like acupuncture. Um, and we also provide massage, massages and facials to help with wellness, stress management, and anxiety. Um, thank you for that. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, with regards to the things that we've seen, you, you've mentioned, um, you know, George Floyd, Dante Wright, and we we're talking about, you know, we have yet another case of, of a, a fallen black person, a young black girl, 16 year old child that was murdered yesterday by a police officer in Ohio. I want you to talk, walk us through the psychological impact that these constant images of people of color, black people being murdered where, where we can see it in real time. We, or we can not in real time, but we can pull it up and see it in the news can you can you tell us what that does to black people in this country when they are constantly faced with these images? So, you know, there's four different types of traumas that we recognize in, in mental health. We recognize personal traumas. These are traumas that happen to you personally, as it states. This is something that you experienced as an individual. There's vicarious traumas, which vicarious trauma is something that everyone can experience, you know, not just Black um, or minorities, but everyone can experience from seeing a traumatic event unfold on television. I use 9-11 as an example, as well as the most recent horrendous example is seeing George, uh, George Floyd murdered on television. Then there's also transgenerational and historical traumas. The difference between African-Americans, um, Black Islanders, Black and Brown people is that we have a very complicated history in America for over 400 years, which includes slavery, Jim Crow, which Jim Crow was just an extension of slavery 
but a way to try to legalize slavery and punish Black Americans in other ways that made it seem more acceptable and more legal because slavery had been outlawed. Besides Jim Crow, then came the civil rights battle after civil rights was affirmative action. And so, and for decades, we've been dealing with the pipeline from schools to prisons. We've been dealing with the disparities in um, law enforcement and the, the legal system and the courtrooms. So justice is, um, it's not equal for blacks as it is for whites. There's uh, disparities. Transgenerational trauma is the fourth type. I'm not, I can't remember if I mentioned that. So it's personal, vicarious, transgenerational, and historical. The historical trauma, that's the 400 years that we've um, seen in American and Black American history of all of the things that we've been exposed to that we've, um, we've been, uh, that's caused impoverishment in our communities, that has caused um, us to live in communities where we don't have schools that have recent textbooks, where we don't have teachers and educators who look like us, where we're not giving a fair chance in the school system, because as soon as a little black girl or a little black boy acts out, and we see that today in studies, as soon as they act out in class, they're punished excessively. They're suspended more, they're expelled more, and they're not offered the help that they deserve. And so black folks, black and brown people are exposed to all four of those different types of traumas. Because if you talk to a black person, especially a black male, many black men have been harassed by police officers. Many black men have been pulled over. Um, and these are, this includes black professionals. I myself as a black professional have been pulled over and harassed by a police officer. So besides our own personal traumas, the trauma that we see in television, watching these people be killed and murdered by the police and mistreated, besides the disenfranchisement that has occurred in our communities and the transgenerational that we've seen in our families with uncles and maybe aunts being uh, sent to prisons or given longer prison sentences for crimes that a person of the, ma the majority may have committed who gets half that amount of time. And then also the historical traumas, this can increase a person's sense of nervousness, their anxiety, it can make them more paranoid, it can make them uncomfortable living in a society as the one that we've created in America. We have higher rates of high blood pressure, which is hypertension. We have higher rates of diabetes, which is elevated blood sugar. And people like to say, this is the case because of the way that we eat or because we don't exercise on a regular basis, but they disregard completely the stress the traumas that we get exposed to on, an, on a daily basis. Now with social media, it's it's just, um, it's everywhere. So we're seeing all of these traumas and these things have an effect on a person's psyche. If you're not noticing or it, you're not able to recognize what's happening to you, it may be because there could be some sort of subconscious type of manifestations, meaning Two weeks from now, you may have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. You may have, you may become more irritable. You may become less patient at home with your children and rearing your children. You may find yourself being mean or um, unlike yourself, nasty towards people who you're not typically mean or rude towards people such as people who don't look like you. Because sometimes we generalize things when certain traumas are taking place in our life and when we feel like we're a targeted group. Yeah, so that's know. a long answer, but no, it's... but that's the answer that we need because we need answers, right? We need to understand from a, a holistic perspective how these things affect us, and we don't we don't credit that enough. Like people don't realize 
how the this kind of stuff affects your psyche and how your psyche informs the way that you behave and how you move because we undermine it all the time and and black people are always positioned in this way to be have this super strength and to be being caretakers of others and raising other people's children and showing up that we don't give uh, grace for the the black people need to take care of themselves. And so I think it's important that we understand how these things affect us. Uh, we talked about earlier on the show, a new TV show called them that has a lot of, you know, it's very controversial. There's been a lot of um, pushback on the show because it is about a black family that endures a lot of abuse and there's also, you know, I believe the murder of an infant on the TV show. And there's just been people who just say, we can't do that anymore. We, we're tired of that. A lot of people have, uh, you know, chimed in in defense of the show. They said, if you keep watching it, you will see, you know, a change. And that's usually how it works, right? There's always, they give you one, they give you something. And Queen and Slim, you get to see, uh, you, not that it's, it's a prize, but there's, they kill the, the white cop. But at the end of the movie, we know that there's a demise. You know, all of these movies where you see black people killing white people, they, they always end in death. I just want to quickly get your take on how that affects people when, you know, when they're watching these things. Cause a lot of people are saying, we don't want to watch this anymore. We are tired of this. Can you just, uh, just explain from the perspective, from the psychiatric and psychological perspective, what that does to the mind? You're basically triggering yourself over and over and over and over, which if you've been exposed to traumas, which, as I stated, everyone who lives in America and either watches the news on their phone, on their smart device, on the television, listens to NPR, listens to some other news station, you're going to be exposed to the trauma. You can't avoid it. If you're unless you have your head in the sand, you cannot avoid hearing or seeing about the traumatic events that have occurred during the last one to two years. Um, and so. And if you're someone where in your family you've had a lot of trauma, I was just talking about all the different types of traumas and, and how those things are created, how they come about. The thing that I, I, I did not mention is the cycle of trauma and substance use, substance abuse. So when there's trauma, oftentimes there's a lot of substance use. It's a lot of drug use, things like cocaine and marijuana and heroin and pain pills and alcohol. Alcohol is a, a probably a more dangerous substance than some of the ones that I just mentioned, some of those recreational drugs that I just mentioned. So people will self-medicate self with alcohol and with some of these recreational drugs to help them in trying to numb them, to help them not to recall, to help them not to feel that anxiety that gets triggered from thinking about these traumatic situations or these events from the past. Now, you take, for instance, some of these shows that you mentioned, and you're watching things unfold in these tele these television shows or these series, which are a reminder of maybe something that happened in someone's life. These things are capable of triggering an emotional response from a person. I decided some years ago that I would not sit through another one of these types of shows, another type of these movies, because personally for me, I felt like I get enough of this and watching the nightly news and watching CNN and seeing my local news. I see enough of it. I don't want to sit through 90 minutes or two hours of watching violence. 
and more trauma. And so these things can cause flashbacks, can cause recurring memories from bad things that occurred from before, from traumatic things that occurred. And the same way that someone felt that anxiety or that uneasiness, that nervousness, that sick sensation in their belly, the headaches, the dizziness, the physical manifestations of their trauma and their anxiety, the same way you felt it when you actually witnessed it, if it was you as the uh, the victim or if it was a family member or the same way you felt when you heard your mama or your, your father tell you a story about their trauma being discrim- discriminated against or maybe attacked or being assaulted by someone um, of another race, the same way that you have that response to hearing about it or seeing it, those same responses can occur when you're watching this stuff in movies and shows and series. It's They're very equivalent. How do people take care of themselves in this moment um, to deal with what they're dealing with? And, and even, you know, they may not even know that what they're dealing with is PTSD or, you know, they're being triggered because they don't have the language. But what are, what are some of the things that we can do to take care of ourselves during these times um, and, you know, and, and in the future, like, how do we deal with this stuff if we are not going to therapy and we're not in, in, in the care of a health professional when it comes to mental health? I always tell folks things are, should start with the basics. You know, you got to start, start easy, start small, take care of yourself from the most basic element. And what I mean by that is this, the basics are eating nutritious food, eating healthy, being mindful about what you put into your body because for your brain and for your mind to create those chemicals that help balance our mood and prevents us from getting anxious or prevents us from having sadness for consecutive days at a time, to create those chemicals, we have to provide our brains the building blocks and we get those building blocks from what we eat. If you're filling up on a lot of sugar, a lot of carbohydrates, bread and rice and potato and not getting the protein because the building blocks for these chemicals are contained in the protein we eat. So if you're not getting lean protein, if you're not eating fish, if you're not eating the things that are healthy for you, not fried, but things that are baked and maybe grilled and blackened, you know, those types of things, you're not taking care of your body. You're not giving your body and your brain the nutrients it needs to conduct business on a daily basis. You got to look at yourself as I'm human. I'm not a robot. So in being human, you can stop Things can, your heart can stop. Your body can stop working for you. You can, you, you'll run into issues with your homeostasis. The inability of your body to regulate itself can occur. So you have to eat healthy and you have to drink water. That's a basic fundamental that people miss. We have to drink at least 64 ounces of water every day or 50% of your body weight. So if you weigh 200 pounds, you should be drinking 100 ounces of water each and every day. You should be drinking water all day long, all throughout the day. Your brain is made up of 70% of or more of water. So to help your brain so that your brain is processing and firing away those neurons and um, you know sending the messages that we need to walk, talk, feel, to know what to say, not to be impulsive, not to feel anxious, you got to water and hydrate your brain. So the basics start with that. And the basics also start in the home. The basics at home is you teach your children, you teach your family effective communication. Oftentimes, a lot of problems that people are enduring, it has a lot to do with their families and how their household is ran. If you're not running a healthy household where 
you are not teaching your children and also following your own rules, you know, it's kind of like do as I say, not as I do, you're going to raise kids, children who despise you. And also there won't be an effective means of two-way communication. Communication is not just what you say and you wanting people to hear it and, and listen and respect it. You also have to hear what the other person is saying back to you in return and be able to engage them in a conversation, in a dialogue, if there's some sort of rift or if there's a problem in the family. I also encourage families to have family meetings. Have a meeting once a week. If it's too much once a week, have one twice a week or once a month. The, the days of meeting as a family over dinner, those days have ended because people are so busy now being entrepreneurs and, you know, trying to save for retirement. The kids are busy doing the things that they're doing. But you have to force folks, your family to meet and have discussions. Your family is like a business and you got to run the, the family business a certain way. You have to set those rules for people to follow and understand. And when they have a problem with the rules, you must communicate about it. You have to talk about it. You can't just tell the children, it's what I said. That's my rule. That's what I mean. So just do it. Explain it to them because this is how you're teaching children discipline, which is a word that's missing from many people. A lot of people have problems being disciplined. And that's the other thing I'm going to say. This is how we help ourselves. We have to admit when we're not disciplined and we have to do something about it. I'm not always disciplined in exercising, which, by the way, is another basic fundamental. You have to exercise and work out and train on a regular basis. Your brain needs it. It helps to boost chemicals, natural chemicals that we make on a daily basis. It helps us to create those. So, again, we can help fight stress. We can help manage our mood. We can prevent anxiety because we're exercising on a regular basis. And it helps to maintain our weight. When we become overweight or when we're not eating healthy, we encounter a lot of other problems and it becomes a layer of issues and challenges. And all of those layers can lead to feeling hopeless and helpless in life and feeling like life is a challenge. Whereas from the beginning, if we had the basics in place, we would be in a different space. We would feel better about ourselves. So life ain't easy and people have to remember that. It's, this is not an easy thing to be disciplined, to follow rules, to do the things to, to create a healthy lifestyle, such as drinking that water, eating the things that are healthy for you, what I call the brain love foods, having effective communication at home. And let me not forget teaching your children coping skills. You teach a child coping skills, they will carry those coping skills throughout their life. They will utilize those coping skills when they're in stressful situations with friends. They'll practice these things when they're in, relation, in personal relationships with significant others, and they'll use it on the job. Emotional intelligence, when someone does not have emotional intelligence, it can be a disaster for all the parties involved in the circumstance. So teaching them coping skills, teaching them how to cope when they lose at a game on their PlayStation, you know, that carries significance. That teaches them. You're showing them what's important. You're showing them what's not important, what's a minor thing to be upset about. And you're teaching them, okay, instead of throwing the remote and breaking it and I have to buy another one, how about you put it down, go grab a cup of water, you know, walk or, walk a little bit in the house or better yet, do some push-ups, do push-ups mm -hmm. to get that frustration out because you're upset and then go back to the game later. Or maybe it means, you know, stop playing the game for now, pick up the game again later in the week or tomorrow. So I would say those are my basics. That's how we sort of try to maintain and um, address this life and deal with challenges that come our way. And if those things are not working for you, then 
you can you can escalate you can go up a level and you can seek mental health a mental health professional I want to add something else too to those basics and that is a supportive circle you got to have a good reliable layer circle of friends and family and loved ones and people you can count on the folks who are consistent who have integrity who respect you who um uh, reciprocate you know not just with money and 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 goods and and things like that but reciprocate reciprocate in emotions and help and support those people should be in the inner layer the outer layer are those other people you know the ones that you treat accordingly I was just telling a patient earlier today, if we were to, to cut off everyone who does something that we don't like, we wouldn't have any friends. We wouldn't have a circle because people are human beings. People make mistakes. But when they make them consistently, you know what layer they should be in in your circle. You know, I, I appreciate that, because for those of us that advocate for there to be a separation um, in and for police to compartmentalize what they do. Uh, because a lot of the things that we see that unfold is when they dispatch police officers to handle issues that have to do with mental wellness. And a lot of times, like we saw yesterday, those end in a fatality. And so um, I think that it's important to understand the um, why, the significance of what mental care official, um, professionals do, because it is something specific and it is very important and very necessary. And it is something that not just anybody who, you know, that anybody can do like, you know, they're, they're like social workers are doing this, but social workers do what social workers do. And yet they do have some training, a healthcare, a mental health care professional has a specialty. And so when you did truth serum, you made, um, you explained what the difference was between a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a therapist. And I would like for you to be able to do that here, because I think it is important for us to know where do we need to go when we need the help? Always a great question because most folks don't know the difference. Um, and so I'll start with myself. I'm a psychiatrist. I'm the highest level of care. The highest level of care is a physician as myself who we, um, we finish college and then we go on to medical school. Medical school is another four years. Once you finish medical school, you're considered a physician. You're a doctor, but you're not a specialist in anything. You take your exams to become licensed. We have three, what we call steps, three steps that we have to take to prove that we know what we're doing as physicians. And if you want to become a general practitioner, you do one year of residency. Residency is the time that follows medical school to teach you basically your specialty. If you do one year, you're a general practitioner. For psychiatry and neurology, we have to, we have to study for four additional years. So it's a total of 12 years of training. The, four, the last four years are um, those years involve just psychiatry and neurology. Um, they involve some medicine, internal medicine, some work in the emergency room. It depends on your, your program. But um, overall, we're the most uh, studied. We do the most training. It's 12 years. And then once we finish residency, we're considered psychiatrists. Um, you can study and take an exam and become what's called board certified. As a physician, you can prescribe medications for anything. We can prescribe medications, not just for mental health, but also blood pressure medicine, HIV medication, whatever the case may be. Sometimes I have patients who are on antidepressants that cause them erectile dysfunction. And so I know they need this antidepressant. So I'll prescribe him some Viagra or Cialis, something like that. So that's the benefit in getting your psychiatric medications from a psychiatrist because we're trained to prescribe medications for all 
for all the specialties. Um, next to a psychiatrist would be a psychologist. A psychologist also attends college for four years. They go to graduate school for four years. They don't go to medical school. They are not physicians. But because of going to graduate school for an additional four years, um, and also they have to complete a dissertation and do a thesis. And then once they achieve that, they too are, they earn the title of doctor, DR. Anyone can be DR, doctor in front of their name. If you go to graduate school or if you go to medical school or if you go to dental school or whatever. So a psychologist, they go to graduate school, they get a PhD or a PsyD and they become psychologists. Clinical psychologists are people who take care of folks who have mental illness or mental health challenges. They do psychotherapy. Um, forgive me, I forgot to mention that psychiatrists can also do psych psychotherapy. We're trained in psychotherapy as well, and we also do medication management. So psychologists will do psychotherapy, but you can become different types of psychologists. There's research psychologists, there's forensic psychologists, there's psychologists who work for businesses, um, and they're, you know, they're in a different category. So the psychologist would be the next in line after a psychiatrist in terms of training and the amount of years they spend learning their trade. After that come the master's level degreed practitioners, the mental health providers. So everyone is going to college, right? Everyone's getting a four-year degree. And then the folks who have um, LCSWs, licensed clinical social workers, or LMHCs, licensed mental health counselors, or LMFTs, those are licensed uh, marriage and family therapists. Those folks will go to graduate school for two years. They'll get a master's degree in social work or mental health counseling or marriage and family therapy. And then if they want to be called Dr. DR, they'll go on for another two years in graduate school as a psychologist has done. And then they become DR, doctor of whatever their specialty is, if, if it's marriage and family, if it's social work, if it's mental health counseling. Those folks don't know any medicine um, and neither do psychologists because they, they don't go to medical school. So they don't know medicine. They can't talk to you about your body. They can't talk to you about the interactions of your psychiatric medications with your diabetes medications or with your high blood pressure medication. Um, they can't talk to you about preventative health maintenance. We do that a lot in my office as psychiatrists. We talk to our patients about if they did their mammogram, if they had their colonoscopy, if they're doing self-breast exams. So the master's level, back to them, the master, uh, master's level mental health providers, they too do psychotherapy like a psychologist, like a psychiatrist, but they've been to school just for the two years. Um, and so we all pretty much work well together. We collaborate. Mm -hmm. If a therapist is seeing a patient and um, has a hunch um, or it's their clinical determination, the patient may benefit from medication because they're not currently prescribed any medicine, they'll refer them to a psychiatrist, um, a physician they know who specializes in psychiatry to, to offer them medication management. Um, I wanted to quickly also address the stigma around medication because um, for a lot of people are discouraged and in my circles of people who I am around, you know, I hear a lot of, you know, be careful with medication, don't take it. Um, it's going to make you docile. Um, a lot of people who take antidepressants commit suicide. It's not natural for the body. I, I, I just find it um, really interesting that we do take medication for all parts of our body, but when it comes to our mind health, we are very skeptical. 
And, and I understand the history that we have with skepticism within with with America and how it's treated us and other parts of the world. But I just wanted to hear your take on it and how we can, you know, interact about medication in a way that's healthy for us. Yeah, another great question. Man, there are so many misconceptions about medication. Some of those misconceptions have come about um, because, you know, there may have been a severely mentally ill person that someone knew that was in their family um, and they were prescribed a medication and maybe that medication restrained them so much that they were no longer their usual selves. And so they look at them and like, shoot, what's, you know, aunt so-and-so taking or what's up with Uncle Joe? He used to do this and do that, but now he just sits there. Um, and so, and then there's other misconceptions because sometimes there are people prescribing psychiatric medication um, who are heavy handed, you know, who starts, who will start patients on high doses to begin with, um, who will max out the doses of the medication for the person and not have meaningful dialogues with the patients to talk about whether or not they need that increase in the medication. So the misconceptions come from both sides of the house, you know, from the, the patients and their families and what they see, and also from the prescribers and how some of us are conducting business. The thing about medication is this, be sure that you find a practitioner who is a talker, someone who wants you to be an informed consumer, someone who cares about you understanding why they want you to take medication. Every person who's recommending a medication has um, is tasked with the requirement of explaining to their patient the indication. You know, that's the why. Why am I prescribing this medication to you? Well, I understand that you've been experiencing A, B, C, D, and E. That is what I'm hearing from you. And I think for the purposes of insurance and also for helping you, I'm rendering the diagnosis of whatever that diagnosis is, whether it's major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety, social anxiety, whatever the case, you tell your patient why. I always tell my patients what I believe their diagnosis is. And if I don't know that it fits into a specific place, I tell them that too. Like, hey, I, you know, I need enough, some more information. But although I may not have the exact diagnosis today, I understand, mm -hmm. I appreciate these are your symptoms. And this is what I think will help you. And if it's one medication or if it's five medications, I'm going to go into an explanation of why I want them to take it, how it will benefit them. I'll also explain the dosing. I'll also explain the risk. What can happen from taking this medication? What are the possible side effects? What do studies show us? What do most people experience when they start taking the medication? And I also explain to my patients that I'm a conservative prescriber, meaning I'm not going to start you on a high dose. I'll always start you low and go slow. And so I encourage them also, and I encourage other people's patients. So I may see patients in the hospital and do consultations, and I tell them, if you're having an issue with your medication, please, please contact your psychiatrist, give them that benefit, tell them you're experiencing this, because if you don't tell them that you're dizzy every day after you dose your medication or that you have loose stools or that, um, you know, you're urinating more than usual, whatever the case may be, if you don't give them the opportunity to correct the issue and you just stop taking the medication, you haven't helped yourself. 
And especially if you have a serious mental illness, like severe major depression or someone suffering from bipolar and has been manic or hypomanic previously. So you have to you have to feel comfortable with your practitioner. You have to feel like it's someone you can talk to easily and tell them things that you're experiencing. Um, and then that makes for a better experience with regard to medication management. Um, every time I have an interaction with you, I always feel better for it and I feel normal um, and I learn more from you because I think that, you know, with my own struggles with depression and my own and anxiety, which I speak about publicly, I think we need to normalize that and have these conversations more because um, we more than most have a reason to feel these things <laughs> because we have to see reflections of ourselves constantly being mistreated in media. And I think that that does impact our psyche and it does impact the way we move. Um, I want people to know how they can support you and what you're doing, uh, what your website is, where they can find you. Because like I committed myself to doing the first time that I talked to you is that I want to amplify your voice because I think that you are a treasure and that more people need to know about you and who you are and what you're doing because it is important for us to have people like you um, on that side for us. I greatly appreciate that. Thank you very much. I mean, up from the bottom of my heart, the fact that you want to help disseminate this information, you know, knowledge is power. And I think most of the times if we just kind of knew something extra, we had this additional information, it could help us to make different decisions in our lives. Um, so I would say the very first way to support the brain love movement, as I call it, would be to um, subscribe and listen to my podcast. It's called the Brain Love Podcast. It's on Pandora. It's on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. I talk about everything under the umbrella of mental health and wellness, including sex, relationships, you know, the conversation about anal sex, sexuality depression. I've done specials on teens and depression, children and depression. Um, I did a little something about DMX recently in Black Rob. Um, I'm true to who I am. I'm true to my culture. So you'll hear me talk a lot about Black pride and Black businesses and how we should um, conduct ourselves in our communities and how we can help one another. So um, subscribing to the Brain Love Podcast, subscribe, listen to a few episodes. If you like it, if you find it intriguing, give me a rating, you know, some commentary. Tell me what you think, what you dislike. Tell me what you want me to talk more about. I just started that podcast a year ago, Mother's Day last year. Um, the other way is to not to demean people who say or who are vocal about reaching out for mental health. Don't shame folks because they want to go and see a therapist or they want to see someone. There's nothing wrong with taking the couch and talking to someone about your history and your timeline. There's a lot of trauma, not just in the Black community, but a lot of trauma in, in, in all families. We know one in five women have been sexually abused or sexually assaulted or molested at some point in their life. That statistic in Black women is one in four. So we all have had traumatic experiences. We've all had you know, situation, unpleasing situations or circumstances in our families, whether it's with our parents, our siblings, you know, significant others, whatever the case may be. Um, and then, you know, feel free to follow me on social media if you like what you hear from me. And if you want to hear more education and prevention, I talk regularly about mental health things all the time. I almost said stuff, but mental health things all the time on my social media. I'm Dr. Delvina, D-R-D-E-L-V-E-N-A. 
So, yes. Uh, um, and, and like I said, I was going to be contacting you uh, this week. Well, I told you I was going to contact you, but it's going to be this week because I actually want to come and see you. Um, and um, but I want to say thank you so much for showing up today for us, because any these are the acts of love <laughs> for our people. Um, I want you to have a beautiful day and you'll. Well, guys, thank you for listening. That has been tonight's episode. Please come back on next Sunday night and um, give me a rating. Rate this show. This is the Brain Love Podcast rated on iHeartRadio, rated on Pandora, rated on Spotify, rated on Apple Podcast, rated here on Apple Podcast. Um, And follow. If you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. And don't just give me stars. Also, leave, you know, include a little commentary. Say what you like or say what you don't like about the show, what could be better, what you'd like to hear more of. I I would appreciate that feedback. And you can also send a message. If you use anchor.fm, you can send a message to me that will come directly to my podcast. And I can play that message on a future episode on the Brain Love Podcast. I have so many great shows coming up for you. I'm so excited. Next Sunday is my anniversary for the podcast, and that's the most exciting thing ever. I've been doing an episode weekly on Sunday nights for the last year, Um, and I love it all. I just love sharing information. I'm excited for this one-year anniversary, and I'm looking forward to continue doing these episodes to talk about brain love, to talk about brain health and wellness. And I hope you come along for the following, and I hope you bring other people with you. Do me a favor. Tell another person about this podcast. Send an episode to that person. Send an episode to two, three, four, five people. Share this with your family, your friends, your loved ones, your significant other. If you know someone who could benefit from something that you've heard me say during one of these episodes, send them the link for the episode. Sharing is caring, man. And come back next Sunday. Next Sunday, again, is the anniversary of the podcast. And next Sunday's episode title is I'm Not Your Superwoman. I am not your superwoman. I think you guys will really enjoy that episode. And it's not just for women. Guys, you should listen to this episode as well because it may help you in interacting better with women. So anyhow, that has been the show tonight. Thank you very much for joining me on the couch. And uh, you know what I say. Everybody say brain love. So, guys, I just wanted to remind you about um, the ways you can follow me. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast and you know how to follow the Brain Love podcast, which I created May 2020, um, it's on iHeartRadio, it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, of course. Um, And then follow me on social media. On Facebook, I'm Dr. Delvina. That's D-R, period. Space, D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A. And on Instagram, I'm Dr. Delvina, just as D-R, D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A. And I'm the same on Twitter, as well as on Clubhouse. So if you're on Clubhouse, shoot me a follow. And I also have a YouTube channel that's Dr. Delvina Thomas. If you type in D-R, period, space, Delvina, D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A, 
Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S. You should easily find it. And really, if you're following me on Instagram, if you go to my bio and click the link tree that's there, it gives you all of my all of my different links. It gives you my website also, which is Dr. Delvina, D-R-D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A dot help. That's H-E-L-P. And also, please start tuning in on Sunday mornings at 5 a.m. on 99 Jams. Community Matters. I'm a guest host with Super Cindy. Um, tune in. You can download the 99 Jams app um, from the App Store, and that way you don't have to get up and turn on your radio. You can just download the 99 Jams app. So give me a follow, subscribe, and thank you for your support. And if you have an advertisement for your company that you would like to play on my podcast, shoot me an email. Hit me up, info, I-N-F-O, at Dr. Delvina, D-R-D-E-L-V-E-N-A dot help, H-E-L-P. All right, y'all, now I'm truly out. We're off the couch now. We're off the couch. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need, it's inside of you. Look inside yourself needs know your needs your needs come first not everyone else's limitations limit your expectations of yourself ownership own your mistakes learn from them and move on vengeance is not yours it's the lord's express yourself every day meaningful communication don't go to bed angry and that's been my show guys brain love These days, it's harder than ever to stand out from the crowd, and it's even harder to get paid for the work you put online. Luckily, there's a new way to put your work out into the world. It's called Discovered. Discovered is a new digital platform and social network where creatives share their projects to new audiences and earn more money from their work than any other platform. Ready to get out there? Visit discovered.tv today.